Diamond Answer Man Show, episode 28. How to save yourself from a $10,000 loss in five minutes. This is Kevin Michael Johnson with Help Motivating You. And when I need diamond advice, I reach out to Jay Christopher Gertz, the Diamond Answer Man. I count on his decades of experience to help me make an informed decision for that special occasion. You too can count on him for your diamond advice. Well, that's very nice from Kevin Michael Johnson of Help Motivating You. You can reach him at KevinMichaelJohnson.com. He's got a wonderful little show that he puts out motivates me in fact reminds me when i haven't put out a show lately you know the goal of our show is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases you know diamonds which help us memorialize our special moments you may reach me at diamondanswerman.com you may also follow me on google plus at uh, j christopher gurritz at google plus you may also find me at twitter on the at symbol at d-a-m-j-c-g-u-r-i-t-z that, uh, that you can find me there. You may also phone me at 803-792-1326 or email me. You know, we'll do it old school. Email me to jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. Well, it's that time of year. I'm suffering a little bit. You might even be able to hear it in my voice. I'm suffering just a tad bit from some allergies. And uh, But I'm here with you, and we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened just recently in the jewelry world. But one of the things, since we're coming up here to that big, I shouldn't say big month, but we're coming up into the holiday season, and a lot of guys will uh, tend to ask for their bride's hand during that time of year. And uh, just so I, I give you a little update, you know, uh, diamond prices, as I've been speaking about over the last year, Diamond prices have been a little soft, and uh, as is and has been reported, um, you know our one carat stones and our finer stones are are trading. That's what the uh, the polish and the wholesalers are trading at and into the jewelry stores as they're trading at about four point five percent down um, in the market, and that just means that you can get a little bit more for your dollar this time of year right now. You know, one of the things that's uh, or one type of diamond that's selling pretty steadily at this moment in time and has been I think for the last couple of years has been commercial quality diamonds and uh, you know commercial is not something we would traditionally think of as used would in an engagement ring but we might find it in other types of jewelry um, generally not you know uh, commercial in your engagement ring types uh, well I guess I should say it wouldn't be something you'd find in a a finer jewelry store, and what I mean by that is, is there are some high, uh, I should say, um, high. The high is not the right word for it. There are some stores out there that specialize in commercial quality jewelry, and uh, commercial quality jewelry is not really something that you would be using to pass down to another family member. It doesn't become heirloom. It can be used and very much can be enjoyed by the wearer. I have family members who will at times buy things and, of course, bring them to me to inspect. And, and quite often um, in those times, I shouldn't say quite often, but regular enough, you'll have people who will come to you for advice and you'll take a peek at what they have. And it's, it's really, un- unfortunately, it's, it's a lot of times what people have done is they bought into the sales pitch of that salesperson and they bought into uh, the bright 
you know, orange or pink or red or yellow signage that is is speaking about the discounts that they're receiving. And it turns out that they get just what they pay for. And in most of these cases, uh, you know, I, I will have family members who will listen to this show. Most of these times, it's just plain junk that they've purchased. It's not really something that, that uh, they received a good value on, but it was worth what they paid for it in most cases. But it's not something that uh, you would pass down to family members. Um, you know, most of this stuff is not something that really performs as it would be if you buy something that's finer. So that being said, you can find, if you're a groom right now, out there shopping, you know, make sure you shop hard when you're out there. Make sure you go to the internet. Make sure you research. Make sure you download the Affidavit of Diamond Buying Agreement that I have for free on the website. You can take take that and, and bring it into the store. Make sure they sign it. It's got some ethics, uh, you know, uh, guidelines, not guidelines, but ethics requirements for that. It's also got the color and clarity and carrot weight designations. Some some gives you some power to protect you, you know, in in the case that uh, something isn't described and delivered as what you should have received based upon your um your negotiating skills if you're out there buying. You know, you want to make sure this is fun and you want to make sure you protect yourself in every single situation. And uh, we're going to talk about that here coming up as per my intro. But, uh, you know, talking about the news, we're down, you know, a little bit, 4.5% in net trading prices on average. But we just had a huge sale. You know, we, we segue from talking about commercial diamonds and then we jump into, you know, from one range commercial diamonds which is sold in mass it's just it's just junky stuff but sold in mass and then then we travel another direction and then we look at something that uh, that most people would never even see except in an email or see it in, unless they went to uh, a, a museum you know special stones that that have a significance in history a significance as far as rarity um, some of them have meanings like the, the Hope Diamond as far as history would be concerned and, and of course, mystery, right? Not just history. But a, a, a couple of large diamonds just sold recently. One was the this large pink diamond. And, uh, you know, it's a 59.6 carat pink. And I've seen stones this large. I've held stones this large before. This is a big diamond, especially a pink, especially flawless and uh, this diamond was uh, originally mined in the, in the uh, late 90s and then, of course, um, polished. It took, I, I believe, a team of uh, eight or ten, and of course somebody will email me and correct me, eight or ten polishers, I think it was eight, um, at Steinmetz Diamonds. And uh, I know they did, at least back then, it was, it was many, many models. I think it was... Um, you know, 40 or 50 or so models that they did before they started polishing this, uh, this gem. And uh, that's where they, they, they mark it up and they kind of get an idea of what could be in a computer, could be drawn out. They'll map out the stone to figure out the maximum amount of weight from it. So if you get an opportunity, there's a link on my, my site and it'll bring you all the way back to, to Rappaport Diamonds. But if you look at my news section, you'll see the link for this large 59.6 carat diamond that's sold. It's, it's a pretty large, pretty impressive diamond. That's just, that's just for fun, you know. Most of our conversations here on this website have to do with protecting you when you buy engagement rings. And, uh, but that's kind of a fun diamond to look at. You know, that diamond sold for 
rounding it, a million dollars. And so that's sort of outside the sphere of most of us guys buying engagement rings. And, uh, and then at the same auction or near that auction was another larger orange diamond, which was a 14.82 carat, which sold for $36 million. So those were some pretty big pieces of history going on. So there's, there is some movement in your really fine collectible diamonds. You know, so if you're, you're a person out there looking to invest, of course, I've never been one pushing you, pushing anyone to just invest in diamonds. But it seems to be over the last few decades, the diamonds that are selling and that are increasing in value have been the ones that have sold at auction. They've, they've been increasing. And the, the owners that sell them when they go to auction a decade or, decade or so later do see and receive an increase on that asset. So, and I'm not promoting investing in standard diamonds. You know, these are, these are specialty stones, you know, one, one out of a hundred that are available in the world kind of situation. So, um, so after, you know, talking about that, I wanted to just follow up with, you know, since those are two fancy shaped diamonds, you know, we've got an oval and we've got a pear shape. And, uh, you know, if you're a guy out there, I just want to give you one tip. I, I have a person I've been talking to and they are, are talking about trillions. And if you're familiar with trillions, trillion is a triangle shaped diamond. And, uh, you know, the trillions themselves or triels, there's brand names for them. Anything that's a fancy shape, that's triangle, that's brilliant cut. We're not talking about something that's a step cut kind of a diamond that is sort of glassy looking that's in a triangle shape. We're talking about something that's brilliant and it's triangle, you know, so it's got three sides to it that are the same length. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to tell everyone out there, and I don't, I don't care what you think about trillions or otherwise, trillions or triangle-shaped stones, this is in my own experience, even when they're set in the side, as side accent stones, you have to work your tail off to keep those gems clean. The, 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 the depth at which they're cut and uh, you know, they're, you know, fancy shapes are generally, uh, you know, you you have a fancy shape, and I want to say this correctly, you have a fancy shape because they're trying to maximize the weight from the rough. And if they can cut a round diamond, they will always cut a round diamond for the for the weight retention in the rough. So when you end up with something that's fancy shape, it's because that's all they could get from it. So they so they come up with these sort of different cuts and whether they be square or whether they're rectangular or whether they're marquee or whether they're trillion or or triangle shape, triangle brilliance. And um, they're used to maximize the weight from that original rough. You know, they got to get as much out of it as they can. The problem with some of these stones is because they're so shallow – Anytime you get oils from your skin or, or oils from lotion or just junk in there and you get under the side stones, they just turn this sort of cloudy, flat looking. There's no, there, there's no brilliance to them. So I want to make sure that if you get a ring like that and they are side stones, never use one, by the way, as a center stone. If you get them as side stones, um, you got to get the get a toothbrush, get a get a cleaning kit, get up under there and, and keep them clean. I'm I'm really trying to persuade people not to use them um, for center stones. Center stones, it, it's even a greater degree because you get so much stuff under there, and they just don't 
have the brilliance of so many other shapes out there. And I know why people like them, because they're different. Yet, they're made because you have the waste of some other shape of rough or the leftovers of some other shape or the the rough itself as it's come out of the ground. That's all you could make from it. It's, it's like a byproduct. I couldn't do anything else, so therefore I make a trillion. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm not anti that shape. I'm just saying that it, it's not as cool of a shape as you would really want it to be because it won't maintain what you want from it, which is to really be a bright, fiery, brilliant, scintillative stone. And, and it gets dirty way too fast. So if you're thinking about a center stone, think twice, go some other direction. And, uh, you know, just just think about another shape. If you're going to use them for side stones, I think they're cool. I've made many, many rings with them uh, in use as side stones, whether they be round or square stones or any other shape that you may put with it in the design that will complement it. Just make sure that you, if you're the jeweler in this process, make sure that you make it easy for your client to clean. And if you're a person out there looking, make sure you pick a design where it's easy to clean, and you'll be much, much happier with it. Anyway, that was my rant on uh, on triangle shape brilliance. Um, so here's here's my tip this week, and uh, it's my way to help you protect yourself from a ten thousand dollar loss in five minutes. And uh, you know, so most of you, if you're listening to this show, of course, you're pretty technically literate, right? You're, you're listening to a podcast. So you, you have it on your phone or you have it on your tablet, you have it on your computer, some sort of device that's, that's either streaming it or downloading it. So since you're pretty technically literate, it doesn't mean that you have the skills to set a stone, but you should have an idea, an idea of what your diamond should be set like. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about how prongs should look when you first get them back from your jeweler. So if you're buying a ring right now and you're getting the ring uh, for your engagement gift um, or maybe an, an, an anniversary gift or whatever you may be doing this holiday season, I don't care whether it's earrings or whether it's a, a solitaire ring, if you have not inspected your diamond ring right after you got it, you just built in a problem potential for a future. So whether you receive your ring from Federal Express, if you bought it from somebody online, or whether you receive it from a brick-and-mortar store or even a chain store, if you got it from, from, a, uh, from an online site, make sure that you have some way to be able to look at it after you received it and you open up the box and you get to take a look at it. So make sure you have some loop or make sure you take it into a, a jeweler you've developed a relationship with who knows you're going through this process. If you're going to a jewelry store, I always, always encourage you to use a microscope. So some of the things you want to look for to help protect yourself from what could be a major loss, because your diamond engagement ring is tends to be from a couple of thousand on up to, could be tens of thousands of dollars, right? So you want to make sure that your stone is set correctly, because this is something that can pop up out of nowhere. You know, so you could receive your ring today open it up, give it to your bride-to-be, and then in two months, six months, could be two hours, could be a year from now, something that happened during the crafting process could have been very wrong, 
and you didn't know it. You didn't inspect it. You just picked it up, looked at it, thought it was fantastic, gave it to your bride-to-be, smiling on your way. It's on the day that she looks down, and that stone is missing, and you've just got these four prongs hanging out there, and they just got caught on some sweater, and that's how she noticed that it was gone, and the diamond is nowhere to be found. This can be prevented. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of maintenance that you should have done in your ring. But one of the first things you should look at, and uh, I want to give, give you a mind's eye picture, your, uh, your diamond, you know, if you can imagine the diamond from a side profile, you have that girdle running along that flat edge, you have the pavilion at the bottom, you have the top half from the girdle up, which is called the crown. And, uh, you know, if you look at a standard sort of solitaire style head, you know, whether it's a peg base whether it's a round base, you know, prongs aren't very thick. You know, you think about what holds a diamond in place. It doesn't have to be very much because it's metal. And usually the metal that's used is, is pretty durable. I mean, gold is soft, but I mean, overall, when you're th- thinking about a prong, it's pretty durable. Most heads in, in, in a lot of cases, depending upon, of course, where the jewelry is, is made, you know, a, lot of, a lot of heads are made well. You know, some things are die struck and so they're crafted pretty well. But what happens after that head, that's the portion that's holding on to your big glorious diamond that took you six months to pick, in place, um, if that isn't crafted well, even though it may look, it's, it, it looks well, it looks like um, it's like a, a, like a beautiful car, you know, they have a, a car where the paint job is fantastic, and, uh, you know, it, it, it looks wonderful, They're, they've waxed you know the the paint job they they've armor all the tires and you look at this this car and it looks absolutely wonderful you, you slam the door and the door falls off well that that can happen in your engagement ring and uh, so one of the things you want to look for is whether or not the stone is set correctly or not and uh, you're going to have to look at it as i said before under some form of magnification and you can take a look at the prongs and i want you to get an idea once you look at it how thick the prongs are and uh, your girdle, that little girdle edge, that little edge that's running around the that horizontal line that's running around the outside of the stone, comes to a little tip on that end, right? And so, as though, as that's in your prongs, you want to make sure you look at your prong and your prong in its overall thickness that they've cut a seat, or they call it also a bearing. That's where that bottom of that girdle or the bottom of that pavilion that's right after that girdle, is sitting in the prong. It's actually cut into a groove around those four or six prongs. And that little groove they've cut in there, it makes sort of a V-shape, um, is, is cut in no deeper than 50% of your prong. If it's cut in too shallow or if it's cut too thick, uh, or too deep in there, that's going to pose problems. You want to make sure it's it's no further than 50%. If it's further than that, I want you to box it back up. I want you to send it right back. And I want you to, or I want you to, you know, shake the hands with the jeweler and ask them to fix the prong. It shouldn't be any deeper than 50%. The other thing you want to look at after you've now gauged whether or not it's set, of course, level in there too, um, as you spin it around in your hand, make sure it's not cut too deep. Make sure that it has the seat. So that's where that edge is sitting in there. And then when you look at the top of that prong, is it rounded? Is it smooth? How tall is that prong? That's that little tip, you know, the prong tip at the top. So if you look at the girdle, and then so everything from your girdle edge on up, 
where it's rounded, and that's the metal on the prong. When you look at that, that's called the tip. And that tip, that tip top, you know, we'll say that, of that round polished edge should be should be between 70 and 80% of the height of the of that uh, of that uh, table. So you want to make sure that it's not too shallow, it's not too tall. I've seen it where prongs are almost flat because of polishing errors. You know, when 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 the jeweler finishes it, he gives it to another person sometimes and that person finishes it off and polishes it down. And I've seen goofy things happen where either the, in the setting process they did it wrong or for some crazy reason the person buffing the whole ring down buffs those prongs off. And uh, you, you, so you have the opposite. You can have them where they're too tall, where they're going to bump and snag things. You can have them when they're too shallow, and those prongs are thin at that tip top, and they can peel back. So make sure you take a look at those prongs to make sure they have the right height. So if it's too thin at that back edge, some people call that the heel, um, it's going to catch. So if, they've, if it's more than 50% in, it's going to catch. And when it catches on that lovely sweater she's wearing on Christmas Day, um, it's going to catch on that sweater. A little piece of thread is going to get under it, and it's going to pop that prong off, and you're going to look down, and the stone's going to be gone. So make sure that the prong isn't too thin. Make sure it's not too tall. Make sure it's not too uh, too uh, I said too uh, too thin, but I meant uh, too deep. And then make sure it's not too thin on the top. You know, so those are pretty easy to look at. So when you're looking at it under the microscope and you've tipped it on the side and you're spinning around, I want you to look for some really weird things that can happen. And these weird things only happen in the craft person's technique or skill or tools they've used, speed at which they want to get done. I want you to look for these key things. And you want to make sure that you you look for things that are odd looking, you know, so there should be a nice V-shaped cut groove in that prong holding that stone in place. And if you see something that looks like it uh, where it doesn't have a bearing, that's that seat, so there's no groove. So the so the girdle edge is just kind of shoved into that prong, but there's nothing holding in under the bottom. You know, so the prong kind of goes down, but there's no groove actually cut for it. That's, a, that's lacking a seed or a bearing, and when she knocks that prong, it's going to come loose, and it's not going to take too much to make it loose, so make sure you send that ring back or have that jeweler fix it right there on the spot. The other thing you can look for is, um, is hooked prongs, and that's where they cut. They use too large of a burr sometimes. They'll, they'll cut the seat down in there, and, uh, and it makes a very thin wall, and then they sort of shape that prong right over the top. And it makes this sort of, it really looks like the handle on, on, a, on a cane or an umbrella. It's hooked like that. And uh, it'll, you'll see, actually be able to look through the prong. When you see your prongs like that, that prong isn't going to last. That prong is, that's bunk. Um, you're going to want to make sure you have that fixed. In a, in a lot of cases, by the way, of what I'm talking about, would, would in some cases, would require a replacement of the head. So you want to make sure you do inspect this. You don't want to pay for this mistake. Um, you know, a year from now because you didn't look at this. So make sure it's got a seat. Make sure the prongs aren't hooked. The other thing you want to look at is um, whether or not the prong is at the right angle. Prongs normally have an angle of 70 to 80 degrees. If it's too angled out, you know, so if it's too angled out, of course, that's not going to be able to be tightened. So you want to make sure that the prong can be tightened. Um, If that angle is too far out, there's no way when she's wearing that ring and knocking and bumping it, 
it's not going to be able to hold it in place because we've we've gone past that point to where it's got any strength in the prong. Same thing can be if it's too tall or too steep. So angled out too far, you know, they use the wrong size of head for the stone. Sometimes in in the uh, uh, I should say in the excitement of making the sale, that's not a good thing here. Um, when the jeweler sells something and you say, "Hey, I'd like a larger diamond in it." Sometimes the jeweler, not the, not, I should say the goldsmith or the craftsperson, in an effort to save time, expense, and money, will do the wrong thing. And, you know, we've talked about personality, enthusiasm, and integrity. Um, so this person obviously didn't have an integrity, but they used the wrong size head. So if you bought something that had a three-quarter carat or an 80-point stone in it, and you say, well, I'd like this carat and a and carat 10 in there, and so they swap that guy out, and they put a new one in there. They use that same head. The prongs aren't the right size. So it's going to push those prongs out. So make sure the prongs are at the right angle, 70 to 80 degrees. The other thing would be is when they cut the seats, so that's that little edge it's resting on, if they don't push those prongs all the way back down. So if you can see on the top part of your crown, if you can stick your finger or your fingernail or anything under that prong, then the prongs are upright. That's going to be knocked and bumped and come loose. That is a finishing issue. That's easy to fix. So as long as there isn't any other issue going on with the depth, there isn't isn't any issue going on with the angle, the upright prongs can just be finished off. So you just don't want to have these problems that are inherent in the ring right when you buy it. Now, here's a problem which is is common in what you would almost call sweatshop type uh, uh you know, repair shops, setting shops, stone shops. I, I have to be honest with you. You know, I have my diplomas from the Revere Academy in, in comprehensive stone setting. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, you don't want me setting your stones. It's not my specialty. Um, I did well enough to to pass the course. I have my diplomas there. But it's not a, my lifelong dream to become a stone setter. It takes Years and years and years to become a really good stone setter. And some people take shortcuts, and it's not something that, that you ever want to have done when it comes to your ring. And uh, what some craftspeople will do, and I shouldn't even call them craftspeople, what some stone setters, which are not craftspeople who shouldn't be in the business, will do is use a, uh, a saw to cut the prongs. They use a handsaw. And so they'll cut these little grooves to form that little V-shape in there. And you can see prongs cut with a saw. It's the fastest way to set anything and get it done. The problem with this is that it weakens the prongs and it's not even. There's no way to seat the stone in there just right to where it can get tight. They'll come loose. Things will get in there that'll snag. Uh, it, it is just wrong. So when you see this sort of jagged edge cut all the way around your prong, holding that girdle in place, and you can see through it, you, let me just say this. You shouldn't be able to see through the sides in the prong if it's set correctly. They used the right burr. The jeweler did their job in making sure craftsperson that's sitting at the bench did their job, the stone setter, and looked at, looked at the edge of the diamond, and, and they used the right burr and the right tools with the right head to get it in there. So you shouldn't see these gaps that are, that are sort of pinching your stone into place. If it's got uh, sawed prongs you know, to where they cut that groove in there for your stone, then you need to let your jeweler, whomever you're working with, know this because this is a defect or it's not even a defect. 
this is a this is a serious problem with the craftsperson they are working with. So, all of these things should be prevented by the craftsperson doing their job right, and you'll be able to wear this ring for years and years and years and decades. The thing I would always encourage you is to make sure you do have insurance. Then also make sure you have your ring cleaned and checked every six months. And uh, make sure those prongs are inspected. If you have a, a a good head in there, a good job where they did this, you know, had the seats and the, you know, when they set the stone, tips uh, can be replaced. Tips they can add solder and metal to them and build them back up, so you don't have to replace, you know, the head in there. Especially if you've got something that's a wonderful design, you don't have to dig all that out and put a new one in there. Uh, tips will wear down. You know, tips will wear with daily wear whether they be platinum, though it's a little bit harder, uh, but gold and yellow and white gold tips, they'll wear down with time, especially if you wear them and you're active and you would wear them in times and places where I would say you shouldn't, but some people do. Um, when you wear your ring, uh, those tips uh, will wear down. And if it's done right the first time around, it uh, maintenance is far less costly than trying to replace that $10,000 diamond that uh, was a problem right day one when you picked it up, but you didn't know to look for these these sort of situations when uh, when you bought your ring. So here I hope I'm preparing you and protecting you. And uh, if you've got any other questions about prong settings, you may email me at uh, jchristopher at diamondanswerman.com. You may phone me at 803-792-1326. You may reach me at uh, on Google Plus or on Twitter. You may reach me on Twitter at the at symbol at D-A-M-J-C-G-R-I-T-Z, and I'll look forward to speaking with you. Also, I'm going to have uh, some more shows or more episodes coming up. We're going to talk about different styles of setting, and we'll talk about pave and, and bead setting and all those little different accents that we have that are going on in, in a lot of today's uh, jewelry. We'll talk about some of the things that look, you'll look for there to help protect yourself. Make sure you get a great design. Make sure you get something that will last a long time. And of course, remember, everything we talk about is to memorialize a special moment and those special moments that will be talked about for decades to come. And, and of course, these pieces of jewelry most often will become something of an heirloom passed down from generation to generation. So make sure you have good quality prongs. If you don't, You'll have a ten thousand dollar loss sooner than uh, than than you should ever want to. Not that you'd ever want it sooner. Um, you don't want it later either. <laughs> so just protect yourself so it doesn't happen. And most, most, most definitely, make sure that you have insurance on it. Jewelers Mutual and Chubb and all those different companies out there. Research with them. Find out about their costs and and what what they are. It's pretty inexpensive to have jewelry insurance. And uh, I'll look forward to speaking with you next time. Thanks so much for uh, listening to my show. If you've got any questions, you know you may also reach me at on the website at diamondanswerman.com. On that right-hand side of the site, believe it or not, you can send me an email message right through there with your voice. If you've got an iPhone or you have a laptop that's got a microphone attached to it, you can click on that SpeakPipe app. Send me a, a question right through there. It'll come right to my email. I'll answer it. Maybe we'll use it in future episodes, and I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks so much for listening, and good night. Mm-hmm.